Macworld Podcast number 424 for September 9th, 2014, brought to you by Igloo, an intranet you'll actually like, and MailRoot, a secure hosted email filtering service for the work you do. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. This is a very special one. It takes place September 9th, which was, wow, wow day. It was wow day. It was wow day. Wow day. And joining <laughs> me, oh, I'm Chris Breen, by the way, and joining me, of course, is my co-host. Serenity Caldwell. And oh. we're actually in the same physical space. How crazy is that, Chris? <laughs> it's really crazy. Uh, normally, we're not. We're uh, talking <laughs> across the whole United States, but now... We're here. We can't talk about the weather because we're both in the same place and we know what the weather's like. It's true. Is... We have merely a table between us. We do. Um, so let's cut to the chase because this was a big day for Apple. There was a lot of anticipation building for this because, of course, people had heard rumors forever and we'd all been speculating on what might be released. And now we know at least for this event because there could very well be another and maybe one more we'll after see. that. see. <laughs> Um, you were actually at the event. I was. I was not. I was watching the really horrible stream oh. for the first 20 minutes or so. It was just awful, and it got better, so I'm glad they fixed it. But. I heard there were Chinese uh, interpreters for most of it. Uh, there were for about half of it, yes. And then every once in a while it would like stop, and then it would rewind 20 seconds or three minutes. Just, and it always said at the key point, like they said, and it's going to cost... <laughs> Rewind. And then we rewind and go, what? What's it going to cost? What's... And then we tune into the live blog and say, oh, it's going to be that. Oh, boy. <laughs> so um, I know you're tired because it was, it's been a really long day for you. So let's try to get to the essential stuff. Um, starting with, and what was kind of a surprise to me, uh, they start with the iPhone right mm -hmm. away. Didn't do the numbers. We've got too much. Well, they kind of skimmed over this at WWDC, too, yeah. where it's, you know, traditionally the first 10 to 20 minutes of an Apple uh, event is, let's tell you how great we're doing and how, mm -hmm. how much fun we're having. Um, and all we got today from Tim Cook was, we're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine. Now let's talk about the really exciting stuff, because you guys don't want to hear about numbers anyway. We talk about numbers on the financial call. Right. Yeah, and everybody knows Apple's doing fine, so there really isn't much reason to do anything more than exactly. that. Exactly. So, jumped right into the iPhone 6. And, um, and the 6 I Plus. would say th <laughs> three weeks ago, everybody thought that was going to be the big thing. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, okay, it's all going to be about the iPhone, and it turned out that it was not. Just so, our number one. <laughs> yeah. So, let's talk about it. The two models. Yes. And uh, they're both bigger than the previous they are RIP four inch iPhone, like the three point five inch iPhone of of days. Your, um, it's it's no longer uh, going to be made as a new model, and of course we still have the iPhone five C, right? And we still have the iPhone five S, right? Um, no no six C as of yet, um, but those those two models are still going to be sold, you know, alongside our, our nice new iPhone six and iPhone six plus. Um, but it looks like Apple is fully embracing the uh, the four plus inch screen, and uh, having having held both uh, the four point seven inch, the the new iPhone six is is bigger. But um, as I was saying to you before this podcast, I use a Mophie juice pack mm -hmm. on my uh, on my five S right now, and actually the length, the added length of a Mophie ju juice pack on an iPhone five S is the equivalent length of a four point seven inch iPhone. And when I was holding them side by side, I'm like, oh, this is actually more or less the same size. Um, it's just one has a much longer screen and is much lighter because I'm not carrying an extra battery on its right. back. 
Um, granted, I don't think it has the same battery life as my Mophie, which is kind of sad. But I've already gotten used to holding a slightly elongated phone and mm-hmm. figuring out how to, you know, not make it fall on my face. Um, and the other big thing uh, for people who I think it will help them, you know, transition over is that for the first time since the iPhone's launch, the sleep-wake button, the on-off button, is no longer on the top of the phone. It's on the right side of it. Um, huh. So when you're gripping your phone, you know, naturally when you hold a phone, you've got your thumb on the left side and you've got your other four fingers on the uh, on the right side, and uh, that sleep-wake button is now in the perfect position where your uh, where your pointer finger would be. Right. And so, it, it, like, it was definitely a little weird get, to get used to it because I kept on picking it up and trying to turn it on on the top. I'm like, where's the button? Oh, oh there's the button. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so that was, you know, a little bit of getting used to, but it, the phone feels really solid, and it actually, build quality-wise, it reminds me of the original iPhone. And mm-hmm. in fact, Jason Snell had uh, had his original iPhone just, you know, laying in his bag as he does. Right. As he is wont to do. And we compared the back side to side. And it's actually like the sort of the the bevels like curve that you found in the original iPhone, which more or less got tossed out in subsequent mm-hmm. uh, in the iPhone, starting with the iPhone 4 is back. Right. Um, and it looks pretty darn good. <laughs> All right. Now, um, when you said the words six plus there was a certain amount of attitude in your voice when attitude, you said chris plus. Plus. a little editorializing in it um oh, me editorialized no. No, no 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 of course not um watching what i could of the stream that looked like a really big phone that is indeed a really big phone and in fact i would say you know it um it rivals the really big phones of uh of android in terms of uh I mean, it's it's very pretty, mm-hmm. um, but it essentially looks like you took an iPad Mini and shrunk it, um, and it you can use it one-handed, <laughs> sort no, of. Can <sighs> you use it one-handed, I or does one have to it. have gorilla hands <laughs> to use it? I have ex- like exceedingly long fingers, although yeah. a small palm, and so I can I could hold it, mm-hmm. but I could just barely hold it. And granted, there is that uh, there is a special mode for the iPhone six plus where you double tap on the home button, and as a result, you can uh, the screen sort of slides down, the whole title bar slides down, so you can tap on it and like access the top of the screen. So that's useful. Um, but overall, I think this the 6 Plus is really more of a niche phone for mm-hmm. the folks who really want the big phone, who don't want to buy an iPhone and an iPad. They're like, no, I need the in-between device. For those people, yeah, I could see I could see the, um, the 6 Plus being a, a good option. For all of us who, you know, like to put our phones in our pockets... <laughs> Um, I think you probably want to play with the iPhone 6. Yeah, because, um, one, I thought this was perhaps the reaction phone, which is where there are these bigger models out, and enough people say, no, this is too small for me. I need to have the bigger phone. And Apple said, all right, fine. And, you know, most of the time they don't say, all right, fine. They say, no, this is what's good, and this is what you're going to get. But in this case, I think it was like, yeah, fine. You want the bigger phone? Here it is. Now, this may work perfectly well for men who have big hands mm-hmm. um, but and I wonder pockets. about it as a fashion accessory and I, and I'm and I don't mean to be sexist about this but really women have tend to have smaller pockets than men mm-hmm. and they carry some of them carry small bags so 
if you're going out uh, to the opera, as one does, <laughs> with your small opera your bag, clutch, where's this yeah. thing going to fit, right? Yeah, that's when you get a, um, a gun holster and you put it underneath your dress, like strap it to your thigh <laughs> and like slide the six plus in right. there. <laughs> Uh, really, I think that's going to be really popular. Uh, but seriously, uh, the, the six plus again, I could see it being sort of useful if you carried it. If you had a big purse and you carried it like you'd carry a checkbook, right? Where you like put it in a dodo case or something mm-hmm. like that. It feels more like an iPad to me than it does to a, than like if I was to compare it to something. Right. It feels more like a device that I'd want to use with slightly two hands. I can't even imagine. I didn't try to type on it, and I probably should have because that's. When I'm thinking about, you know, oh, problems, um, typing on the 4-inch is no problem, and the 4.7 really isn't that much wider mm-hmm. than the 4, so that's not a huge a huge deal. Um, and I can, you know, even with the juice pack case on, I can go from the left side to the right side with, with by extending my thumb with no, you know, stretching or uh, not so much for the 6+. plus. Yeah. Like, the 6+, plus is, is more than the length of my thumb crossed, uh, stretched across. So I'm, I'm sure there are people who will love it. Those people are just not me. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that there are going to be people who really do want that in-between device, and they find that they can't do a certain kind of task on an iPhone because the screen's too small. And they don't want to carry the iPad with them because that's too big. And so this in-between device may make sense for some people. But I think you're right. I think it's a niche user that's going to want that sort of thing. For years, we made fun of Android phones that were for really big. Gigantic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for, and I think for good reason. It's like, well, who's going to use this thing? All I can picture, honestly, is I'd, I'd like to use my phone to read. Um, some people like yeah. their iPad, but I really like the sort of smaller screen. It like limits the amount of text you can see at one time, and it allows you to focus. Uh, but a lot of times, I'll be laying in bed and holding my phone up, and uh, there's definitely been that moment. I feel like all of us have had that moment where we're looking at our phone, and like we're either sleepy or something, and it falls, and it falls flat, flat on your face. Uh. I'm thinking about the six plus. <laughs> it's really gonna hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like that. That that phone could give me a concussion. It's not that heavy. It's really they're actually about the the six and the six plus are more or less the same weight, but it's still so big that I feel like it would just flatten my face, you know. <laughs> yeah, and well, and to be fair, um, it's it may be one of those things you have to use for a while, and then yeah. much like the iPad, where you go, I don't know, and then you use it and go, oh. Now I understand what this is for. Yeah, I feel much more confident that that will happen for me for the 4.7 than the, than the um, what is it, 5 point something. 5.5. Five. 5.5, five, five, yeah. Uh, but again, there I'm sure there are certain people who, who will love it. Yeah, well, those of you listening at home, when you get one of these things, <laughs> let us know. Yeah, Send do us you a love your 5.5-inch phone? Please tell me. This is what you've Convince been holding me. out for. <laughs> yeah, because we're waiting to see. Okay, so... Um, those are going to be coming out a week from Friday. Correct. And you can start pre-ordering them on the 12th, on I want to say. On the 12th, right. And then the 6 Plus is $100 more than the base price of Correct. the other. They start at 16 gigabytes. Which is same as previously. Right. But the next jump up is pretty nice, is 64. Right. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't just bite the bullet and say, all right, we'll just, you know, we'll make 32 gigabytes the standard. But I guess, you know, they they really kind of want to push people to upgrade to the next level up. Because if we started at 32, I know there are a lot of people, myself included, who would be like, okay, I can I can finally buy the base model. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas by moving it to 64 and not moving the base to 32, you're like, okay, well, 
there's no way I'm using a 16 gigabyte phone, but hey, 464 gigs, I feel so much, you know, I'm getting so much more for yeah. my, so much more bang for my buck. Yeah, I've always bought 32s. Yeah, and so, so have I. I'm, I'm not going to get a 6 because I have a, have a 5S and because it would be really costly for me to do it. So I'll wait for the 6S next year, assuming I'll yeah. do that. <laughs> Um, okay, so besides that, they have faster processors all over the place. They got more security built in. Yeah, uh, camera. They spent a lot of time talking about the camera. Like that's going to be pretty spectacular. As I'm not, I'm not surprised. Every single year, the iPhone has spent or the iPhone event has spent a significant amount of time on camera features. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the iPhone 3G, you had video recording. Right. Um, the iPhone 4, you've got low light. The iPhone 4S, more low light. The iPhone 5, you've got panoramas. Um, and the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 6 Plus are no uh, no different. You've got um, auto automatically shifting focus points, both in, uh, in video, which is really cool. Yeah. I saw that demonstrated and very, very impressive. You got higher, uh, higher frame rates for slow motion. Uh, 240 frames per second. And a lot of people are like, okay, that's just a number. But that's a, you know, it, it wasn't so long ago that 60 frames per second was yeah. kind of the norm for slow motion standard for anything other than a $50,000 camera. Right. So to have a consumer device able to do 240 frames slow motion is huge. Yeah. Is really, really exciting. And um, yeah, it's not going to be that much more noticeable to you if you're used to the 120 frames mm-hmm. per second. But it's really cool, and it appears that um, all across the board they've increased low light, uh, low light respondents. Uh, mm-hmm. In part, by the way, they've kind of tweaked the chip. Still an eight megapixel sensor, but as we've learned for years and years of studying technology, uh, megapixels aren't necessarily what matter. It's about the quality of the sensor within mm-hmm. it. And uh, Apple has spent a long time making that sensor really one of the most stunning, uh, stunning pieces of uh, equipment out on the market for portable cameras today. Uh, some of the pictures that they were showing off at the event were just absolutely, and they made a big deal of being like, these are unretouched. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, absolutely stunning, especially there's a great low light one of, I think, two girls at a party. Yeah, they yeah. showed that during the, the stream. Yeah, and I, I took a picture of that. I was taking photos for our live vlog, and I took a picture for that, and even, even the picture of the picture looked excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm um, I, I'm really excited for that. The one the one thing that makes me a little sad inside is that the 6 Plus is getting a camera-specific feature that the, the 6 won't have, and that's, um, uh, that's a manual um, tilt shift of the lens so that you can, uh, you can more greatly uh, expound on focus. And mm-hmm. that is really awesome. And something that I've been kind of hoping that uh, that the other phones would do for a while. And the fact that it's going to be limited to the 6 Plus, I kind of get why, because the 6 Plus has more right. hardware real estate. Right, it's got the space estate. to do exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. But I'm still a little bit sad that the <laughs> 6 is not going to get it, because I'm like, oh, why don't... Well, maybe next year. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to trickle down eventually. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited for the for the camera hardware features and of course software. We got teased with a couple new things, including time lapse, which we've mm-hmm. all heard we heard a lot a little bit about this uh, this summer. And on top of that, 
front-facing selfies. <laughs> I mean, front-facing selfies are a thing, but like burst mode front-facing yeah. selfies, to which everyone who knows a person under the age of 13 just groaned in the audience because it's, <laughs> all right, time for my camera roll to get filled up with 300 photos. Yeah, my daughter's going to be all over that. <laughs> totally all over Yep. That. Um, and then there's also something else in there that let's do in the next segment because that leads right into the next thing they were talking about, and that's NFC. Yes. But before we get to NFC, a word from Igloo, which is an internet that you'll actually like. Igloo is an internet that you'll actually like. It's built with easy-to-use apps like shared calendars, Twitter-like microblogs, file sharing, and more. Everything is built right in and everything is social, meaning that you can share it, comment on it, rate it, and like it. It's all about getting your company communicating better and more openly. Technology is getting progressively more mobile, from smartphones to Wi-Fi to wearables, and it's all about connecting on the go. With Igloo, one of the best features is that its internet solution was designed with mobile in mind, with responsive design built in, so it'll work on the latest and greatest iPhone and even those Android and BlackBerry devices too. Try Igloo today for free. Go to igloosoftware.com slash Macworld. That's www.igloosoftware.com slash Macworld. All right, so you want to talk about payments. Let's talk about payments. Gosh. I've been writing about this since 2008, <laughs> and finally they made it happen. Six years. Six years, I can say. See, I knew it was coming. <laughs> well, sort of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they've announced payments. They What's have. that about? So Apple, Apple Pay. It's Apple everything, by the way, guys. No more eyes. The eyes are gone. Long live the eyes. I think this, um, is, this is Tim Cook putting his uh, flag in the yeah, sand, saying, well, you know, that was Steve's thing. It was awesome. But it's my turn, and this was his event. Yeah, it, I, it really was, top to bottom, no question. And it's interesting because, of course, the Apple TV started the whole mm -hmm. Apple logo followed by right. type of thing. So Apple Pay, and of course, we'll talk about it later, but the Apple Watch. Um, Apple Pay is um, is Apple's response to all of the NFC uh NFC built-in uh, options available on phones. And in true Apple style, it's not that they just built in an NFC reader and then are like, all right, credit card manufacturers, go mm -hmm. hog wild. They've tied this in, um, not only to Touch ID so that your data is secure, anonymized, and local to the device will not sync between devices, which is huge, um, but they've also tied it in with your Apple ID and given it away so that you can go up to a store, any store that has an NFC uh, wireless card reader, and pay for your purchase with just a tap of your Touch ID. Um, the security behind this is also, I think, really interesting, especially in light of recent mm -hmm. security mishaps. Yeah. Um, in terms of Apple does not store any credit card information that you put. It's all, it's all um, theoretically stored in Passbook. Um, but what in fact is when you enter in your credit card information, um, it is stored securely on the device, and then every time you use it to go pay, your bank generates a random or credit card, whichever you know you're using, generates a random, you know, eleven is it eleven digits, twelve digits, uh, a random credit card number right. um, and security code for specific for that manufacturer or for that uh, for that shop, and. You scan it, and it auto-pays, and it charges back to your cre your proper credit card without ever revealing your actual number, your security code, your name, et cetera. 
Uh, and Apple made a big, big deal on stage about how we don't want access to any of this. Mm-hmm. We're not interested in any of this. And, you know, let's let's focus on what the actual importance of mobile payments is, which is making it simpler for the customer and not like, how can we line our pockets with even more money? Right, well, I think that was a slap at, at oh, Google yeah. and Facebook basically saying, look, we don't want your data. We don't no. care. We sell stuff. We sell physical things for yeah. you. We, fe- we sell physical things to make your life a happier place. Uh, as to whether or not the security, you know, the security implications um, remain as secure as, uh, you know, as people would like them to be. We have to see how this all works out. Mm. Unfortunately, with with Apple being in the news recently, I, I'm awaiting the, the really dumb comments next week of articles that are like, Apple shouldn't be touching people's credit card data, da 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 Except they already are. They and already they have are. have been for years. Half, so. a, half a billion iTunes accounts, is that right? Half, yeah. Yeah. More than any other. I mean, they have more over credit card numbers than anybody. Over 500 million iTunes users. And, you know, even with the iCloud hack, which was, of course, uh, disturbing and scary, uh, I, was there any record of people being broken, like their credit cards being nope. compromised? Nope. Uh, nope. Yeah, nope. exactly. So Apple's had actually a really, you know, despite the security concerns recently, Apple has had an excellent track record with taking care of and protecting people's financial data. Right. Um, and I think the steps that they are, are moving towards with Apple Pay is really interesting and really cool. Of course, it depends on the manufacturers to support it, mm-hmm. um, both in-store with the wireless card readers and online, because you can apparently pay for use Apple Pay to pay things within apps. And it's not um, Apple's not taking a 30% cut or a 10% cut or even a 5% cut, at least not, not overtly, not according to my birdies. But, um, yeah, so <laughs> what they said is they're not taking anything from users um, merchants mm-hmm. or developers. They didn't mention banks. Banks or credit card companies. I've got to assume, so there's a there's a fee that's charged to your merchant every time that you swipe your credit card. Right. And I've got to assume that some of that fee is being kicked back to Apple. Yeah, and you know, think of the number of transactions there are a day. If Apple got one-tenth of one percent, which is it sort of the thing be I've been pounding. making millions of dollars. Oh, a day! Easily. I mean, yeah. just by using this technology. And and I don't mean to be this to be criticism at all. I think it it's going to be a huge value to us because, as I said in a video we did earlier, I've turned my credit card over two times in the last two years mm-hmm. because of hacks. And the fact that I pass this thing over to somebody and it can be swiped through a POS and then... It can be scanned. It can be stolen. It, yeah. Right. I mean, there's so many stupid ways that I can have my credit compromised now I'm happy. You know, I don't care if Apple makes money on this. Fine. Good yeah. for you for making a more secure scheme. And I think it will be than, than what we've seen so far. And you know what I actually really love the most about this is um, they were talking about how if you lose your phone and find my iPhone now, there's a button or there will be a button that uh, allows you to disable the cards on that mm-hmm. device. Not necessarily wipe the device, but just immediately disable those cards so that you don't have to go run around with like chicken with your head cut off, canceling credit cards everywhere. Right. Because there's no way for the thief to, A, use your use your phone, um, or B, take advantage of those credit card numbers because those credit card numbers have been randomized. Right. So they can't get, they can't get them at, at them anyway. 
Um, so that's really exciting. And also, I would just like to point out, currently, iCloud syncs credit card information if you've entered it in for Safari AutoPay mm-hmm. or AutoFill. Uh, so, you know, Apple's been kind of keeping that data anyway, and no one has broken into it yet. Right. I Apple mean, obviously, it's going to make Apple a bigger target. Oh, Not of course. Not that they weren't already, but... But Visa and MasterCard, like, there are so many hacks, and... Y- and you've got to assume Apple's working on this for a couple of years. Yeah. We've heard these NFC rumors for, as you said, for years, yeah. for years and years and years. Um, and this looks very impressive. They've got a number of really high-profile retailers on board for mm-hmm. both in-stores and online, and I'm sure they'll sign up more. Of course, they're starting in the U.S., which makes a fair bit of sense, and then they're going to try and expand to right. European com- countries. But um, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic I really like the idea, especially because it's working with Passbook. That means um, it's actually using proximity. So if you're in, say, oh, I don't know, if you're in Panera and you want to pay for something um, at one of Panera's wireless terminals, as soon as you get close to that terminal, Mm -hmm. it uses the magic of iOS 8 and Passbook to show you to pop up your your pay screen. Right. Uh, So you don't even have to... Go into Passbook, tap your credit card, tap a thing, ready mm-hmm. to scan it. It just automatically appears. Right. Um, so now, of course, the only thing that <laughs> I won't be able to keep in my digital wallet is my ID. <laughs> ah. And that's a that's a whole other kettle of fish. So, uh, so Apple, once you got this whole Apple Pay thing figured out, uh, why don't you talk to the government? Talk the to the government like, about stuff. how how am I going to store my passport in my phone? Because uh, I'm curious about that. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, for those who don't who aren't thinking about this much more than the fact that they can buy a, a sandwich more easily, this is a huge step forward in terms of um, financial data and and the way we shop. Yes, uh, the fact that it's not only in person but also online is going to change basically the the financial institutions. And um, and if Apple benefits from it, great. And if it brings greater security to us, great as well. It may not be so good for people who work in retail because eventually they're <laughs> going to get to the point where you don't need the cashier there anymore. You yep. just walk up, you do the scan, it disables whatever security device is on there, and you walk out the door. Yeah. Um, and we already saw, we got to see a demo of Apple Pay with um, with the Apple Store app. And uh, you know the uh, the Easy Pay system in Apple's Apple Store app are currently with you know just scanning a QR code is pretty impressive, but this is this is kind of next level. Yeah. You just you you just wave your phone across the uh, across the merchandise. So I'm if they can get enough people to support it, this could be huge. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it's just a matter of support. But Apple, I mean. Apple has a lot of clout in retailers. They they do happen to run one of the most successful retail stores in the world, and that has bought them a lot of goodwill. It has, and also there are an awful lot of people who use Apple technology. They have a phone. They have an iPad already, so they're mm-hmm. familiar with the company and what they do and the quality of their work. And why wouldn't you jump on board, particularly if it's not going to cost you anything? And as an added bonus, you know, uh, just skipping towards the end of the event here, there was a special appearance from U2, which was kind of kind of awesome. Uh, it's not every day that you wake up and you accidentally get to go to a concert when you're covering <laughs> things for your job. Uh, but at the end, there is a kind of overwrought skit, but ended up being 
uh, U2 basically being like, oh, we're going to give you our album for free on iTunes. Yes. And Tim Cook makes this little aside with a nod and a wink to the camera saying, hey, if you're not on iTunes yet, sign up before mid-October and you'll get this uh, you'll get this album for free. And, you know, the three of us, Macworld folk core, sitting there live blogging, we all look at each other and we're basically like, this is this is a very subtle ploy to get even more people mm-hmm. to sign up with their credit cards so yep. that mid-October, hmm, when when does Apple Pay launch? Is, could it be October? <laughs> hmm. So yeah. it's, I think it's interesting how uh, Tim... Tim Cook is a very savvy businessman. <laughs> Above all else, he's good with the channels. Yes, he's yes, good with he playing. is. <laughs> and again, as we alluded to earlier, I think this was his event. Yes. And I think, um, you know, he's been trailed for years by the legacy of Steve Jobs, which is amazing. How do you get past that and how do you do better than that? And I think particularly the press, not us, of course, but many in the press are saying, well, Apple can't innovate anymore. They can't do anything more. Tim Cook is a numbers supply guy, but he's not the kind of person that can introduce world-changing technologies. And I think today's event was pretty much said, yep, okay, so you could shut up about that yeah. for now. The, uh, one of my favorite photos that I took uh, today is a picture of Tim standing up with a one fist in the air oh, yeah, as one it. more thing mm-hmm. s- stands in the background. It's like, yep. You're, you're revamping a, a phrase that we haven't heard but have loved for a decade, and you're making it your own. And as a sidebar, Tim managed to do what uh, what Steve could never do, which was get Joni Ive to host a 20-minute presentation. <laughs> <laughs> and he managed to figure it out by having Joni be the background voice yeah. of the narration for the Apple Watch, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh that, you know, I, that is the most time we have ever heard Joni talk about something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he never had to appear on screen. And you could probably <laughs> sense that, that he was all the yeah. he, he was all the more relaxed for it. He got to talk about all of the things that he loves about the watch and how it's amazing uh, without ever having to deal with stage fright of being actually in front of people. Right. Well, let's get moving on that Apple Watch after we hear about MailRoot, which is a secure hosted email filtering service for the work you do. And now a word for all you IT professionals out there. I'm not a systems administrator or someone tasked with configuring the company's servers. I'm just a user. And as a user, I have to admit, when I receive a message from you guys telling me that I shouldn't click on a link embedded in one piece of phishing email or another, I think... Why am I getting this stuff in the first place? Shouldn't you be doing something to filter it out? And then it occurs to me that maybe you're not using the right filtering service. Might I suggest you give MailRoot a try? MailRoot handles email for ACM, which is the Association of Computing Machinery. That's a pretty big deal. ACM is the largest organization dedicated to computer sciences in the world, and MailRoot is being trusted to deliver their email. So, who are these guys? Well, they started in 1997 as an email filtering company called FrontBridge. Microsoft bought that and named it Forefront. So, they often get asked, well, Microsoft probably gave you a lot of money. Why don't you just take it and go on a permanent vacation? MailRoot's founder believed he could still improve on the technology he'd built and help everyone from single users to large corporations. So, how does MailRoot actually help with email management? We all know that spam, viruses, and bounced mail are a hassle to deal with. MailRoot doesn't think you should waste your time and resources by accepting a bunch of garbage on your mail server. So here's the deal. 
With Mailroot, there's no hardware or software to install or maintain. Mailroot simply receives your mail, sorts it, and delivers only clean email to your mail server. Its interface lets you view and manage your mail, tweak your filter settings, and control everything per domain and per user. Mailroot built their interface and tools with admins and developers in mind. They even have an API for easy account management. To remove spam from your life and mine for good, go to mailroot.net slash Macworld for a free trial and 10% off for the lifetime of your account. Again, that's mailroot.net slash Macworld. Okay, and then the one more thing. Um, in the last two weeks, it, the the wearable rumors were heating up to the point where frenzy frenzy about the last two days everybody said yeah you know what iPhone is going to kind of be an afterthought and I think maybe it was yeah um, this was again in terms of Tim planting his flag it's like okay here's a new product category for us this is a significant one we've seen this kind of setup before where there's a nascent market out there that's kind of struggling people are different companies are putting out wearables and they're kind of big and bulky and ugly and you're not quite sure what they do and you're not quite sure you want them and they say yeah you may want it someday when we get to the 17th rip of this apple though came in and said nope this is how we think it should be done and they released or at least they announced the not the iWatch but the apple watch love it and uh i saw it on screen it looked um, really impressive. I mean, a lot of impressive elements about it. The UI is interesting that they basically took your little watch stem and it turned it into the one-button device or the one-wheeled sort of device. It does touch in a couple of different ways. Um, and I think tellingly, at least on the stream, when they showed the images of it, more often than not, it was on a woman's arm than a man's arm, which demonstrated, I think, the world which is this is actually something that's wearable and is fashionable. Yes. And it doesn't look like a huge, ugly brick on your arm. The most, I said this on Twitter, but the, the thing that impressed me most is that the first shot we saw that wasn't a spinning, happy product mm -hmm. shot of Apple Watches falling through the sky was on a woman. And not just a woman, a young woman. Yeah. Someone who's probably under the age of 25. Mm -hmm. um, and it looks fantastic on her. Um, and having having put you know a couple of different ones on my wrist when we were we were in the hands-on area it feels wonderful mm. they have and the, they said this of course during the presentation but there are two different sizes so imagine that if you're you know a woman with a smaller wrist or just or a man who happens to have dainty wrists you don't have to have the big hulking right. watch you know it's actually funny because right before this event um i ended up I ended up trying on a friend's uh, Moto 360, mm -hmm. uh, which I was like, oh, this is really pretty. Uh, and then I put it on my wrist and so literally my... So pretty big. Yeah. Well, it, oh, so the face itself was too... My, my wrists are pretty thin, but the face itself was bigger than my wrist. Yeah. And as soon as I put it on, my arm fell. Yeah. It felt like I was putting on a five pound weight right. on my wrist and lifting it up felt like I was doing exercises. Mm -hmm. um, in contrast, the Apple Watch is is a little thick. Um, I think it's not quite half an inch, um, but it feels light mm. and it feels like a watch, like a, f a fancy 
watch that you would get from like Nordstrom's or right. something like that. It has a nice weight to it that reminds you that you're wearing something, but it's not so heavy that you feel like your your wrist is being dragged right. down to the floor. Um, and it's supposedly going to be ambide- ambidextrous, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a couple people were looking and be like, oh, what about left-handers? Well, I am left-handed and it can be worn on both wrists. Mm-hmm. No one panic. Um, and it just, it feels, at least I tried the 38 millimeter version and not the 42 because again, the small wrists thing. Uh, but the 38 millimeter actually is, is almost, almost too small for my wrist, but it was, it's kind of perfect. It feels like a, a small women's watch, but the display is still totally usable. Mm-hmm. Or at least, you know, they, they were showing us primarily like a demo run through because clearly this device is not fully baked yet. Right. And they, you know, the people who are showing it to us got to demo a couple of limited features. Uh, but those limited features, you know, I actually, I intentionally went up to women demoing to mm-hmm. see how they were interacting with their hands and their fingers. And on the 38 millimeter screen, it looks, it looks good. Yeah. It looks, <laughs> it looks like an actual functional piece of technology, which excites me so much. So in addition to having two different sizes, <laughs> they also have three different models. So they've got the Apple Watch, mm-hmm. they've got the Apple Watch Sport, and the Apple Watch Edition. Watch Edition, <laughs> which I think is the golden. Yes, the 24-karat gold. It's better than gold. <laughs> he said, we somehow managed to improve on gold, which I don't We've made it twice as strong or okay. something like that. Yeah. Um, Extra strong gold. Yeah, and and within those categories, each of those has different builds, different faces, different straps. Mm-hmm. And I tried on one from every uh, every edition except the every version except the edition version because I just didn't want the gold on my wrist. Um, but both the sport and the uh, regular Apple Watch feel excellent. Um, it's just the amount of the, the care that's gone into building these things um, and the digital. Um, Oh, I forgot the the name now, but the uh, the digital dial um, mm-hmm. on the side of sorry, folks, I'm not a I'm not a watchmaker. It's the crown thing. The digital crown. Thank yeah. you, crown. I will, I'll get that in my head sometime. It sort of looks like a crown. Um, the feeling of that is awesome. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about something that feels utterly skeuomorphic and at the same time, per- it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's it's like you know they compared it to the dial on the original iPad mm-hmm. and it feels like that. It feels like something that I would have never thought to be like, oh, you know what would be a cool picker yeah. is a is a dial. Not not like side buttons, but a dial, mm-hmm. something that you can spin and it makes perfect sense because when you spin something it has the same kind of momentum that you would with a scroll. Right. Um so it's it's got that dial and it's got one other button for either paying with Apple Pay or for summoning your friends for a a special feature of the Apple Watch we can talk about is their their answer to Snapchat for watch messaging. Uh, I just, despite the fact that it's, again, clearly a very early prototype. In fact, I was impressed when they had hands-on demo units because mm-hmm. based on, you know, what they initially started showing on the presentation, I'm like, and shipping in 12 months? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, this looks pretty advanced for how much stuff, and it does so much. Yeah. You know, it's you, you compare it to the original iPhone or the original iPod launch. You know, the original iPhone launched without apps, mm-hmm. launched without notifications. You know, Apple tends to do the, like, we're going to do these five things really well and then expand. Right. And the Apple Watch, they kind of said, bring it. Yeah. <laughs> We've got, you know, we're offering you, sure, the health, fitness angle. We're going to offer you 
all of interaction and, and communication, handoff, continuity with your with your iPhone, and we're opening it up to third-party developers mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah, that's huge. That's that's that is that is Apple at its most confident, right? Yeah. Well, I, I was on a podcast a couple of months ago, and I I suggested that maybe they would announce the thing in September and release it in 2015. Everybody else in there said, no, no, that will never happen because it will give the competitors a chance to copy them. You know, so Samsung will start doing this. Well, I mean, that argument makes no sense once you've seen what they've done. It's like they've spiked the ball in this one. They've basically <laughs> said, go ahead, try. Just try. It's, First of all, you can't develop the hardware that's going to do it. Plus, look at all the stuff it does and interacts with all the gear we have. Good luck. We'll, we'll give you a six-month head start, but we're still going to have a better device at the end when you're still struggling to figure out what you're going to do. It's the same thing that the original iPhone did in 2007. Yeah. Or it's, you know, it's not just we made a, an iPhone, or a phone without a, without a keyboard. We made a phone that's multi-touch, yeah. and we did all of these things, and visual voicemail, and da-da-da-da-da, and da-da-da-da. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like the original iPhone felt like it didn't have a lot because a lot has been built on top of it. Right. But... They still dropped a ton of bombshells yeah. when they, you know, a full a full fledged web browser that didn't load, you know, tiny mobile pages. Yeah. I think that yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah. they're really confident. They know they've got something here that just can't be copied at this point, and uh, and Apple's got that whole ecosystem now. Plus, they've got the payment system in there, yeah. and uh, the it has that intimate relationship between intimate, in which they, <laughs> yeah. But I think they're right in that you have to have an iPhone to use it. And I think yes. there was a little groaning at first, like, what? You mean I have to do that? Well, yeah, because it's it's a terminal, it's a device unto itself, and it's also a trigger for other things you do. So well, it becomes an extension of your iPhone as, as well as an extension of you. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense when you put it into Apple's greater continuity theme mm-hmm. uh, in that the watch can exist on its own. Um, it just does not, you know, it exists through Bluetooth LE, so it doesn't have GPS and it doesn't have Wi-Fi. Uh, but it, it can exist still as a time, you know, it's a, it's still a timepiece if you walk away from your phone. Mm-hmm. And it will it has a limited amount of storage to store data like the motion coprocessor mm-hmm. information so that when you get back to your phone, everything can sync up. Right. Uh, which is pretty cool. You just can't, you know, you won't be able to access directions or something like that or call people. But when you're connected to your phone... It's exactly like when your phone is close, will, or at least will be when Yosemite releases, when your phone is close to your Mac, mm-hmm. where you know, you'll be able to do everything, but you'll be able to do it in a much more unobtrusive way right. than, I, I don't know. Like some, some people argue that having notifications in a very clear, easy to see space is a problem because, oh, well, then, you know, forget taking your phone out and da 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 and it's clear that you're ignoring me now I I can't tell if you're ignoring me or not uh, but I actually I would much rather prefer a device that you know you can look at quickly and be like oh this is not important yeah you know whereas there's a there are some ways that you can force the phone to like uh, for instance, there's a there's an accessibility feature that allows you to set custom vibrations, mm-hmm. and I used to do that for uh, for all of the people who are important to me text message wise. I just set up their initials as Morse code right. dot its, mm-hmm. so I'd be like buzz buzz buzz. Oh, it's my parents. I can probably wait like an hour <laughs> before pulling it. Oh, sorry, you know. mom and dad. <laughs> sorry, mom. 
<laughs> they know. They know. I'm a, I'm a terrible daughter. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's that's still a pain, right? And work, of course, was not one never-ending da-da-da-da. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, you know, okay, work, uh, this is just something that needs to be done in the next week. Or, oh, my God, this needs to be fixed in 10 seconds yeah, or the yeah. world will explode. Right. Um, I like the idea of being able to look quickly or, you know... How many times have I pulled my phone out to do one thing to like ask Siri, and then you get distracted by a right. different thing? Right. Well, I, it's really about social engineering, yeah. which means learn some manners. You exactly. Know? And so exactly. If you're, you're going to be distracted by the thing, they're probably going to be a do not disturb feature on there of some kind. Absolutely. So that if you're out in an important thing that you don't want to be disturbed, you just turn the thing off, and it's not going to bug you. Yeah. And there are so many. There's so many possibilities for for a watch like that with so with all the sensors that it has. And, you mm-hmm. know, they dropped a couple of bombs at the very end on stage with Tim Cook being like, oh, yeah, I like to use it as my Apple TV remote. And everybody's like, really? How does that work? Hmm. Voice dictation? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, or I like to use it as a walkie talkie. You know, a mm-hmm. couple couple of things. So there's, there's a lot of potential for it. And then, of course, there's messaging, which I... Jason, I, I had this conversation with Jason, and Jason was kind of rolling his eyes. He's like, oh, boy, you know, this is this is silly, you know, the little drawings and sending your heartbeat and 3D emoji. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, to – in some ways, this is a very – this is a very silly idea, but I actually think it will capitalize perfectly on this generation's mm-hmm. want to be constantly in touch and yep. communicative. Because, I mean, it's – I actually think this will be a bigger hit than iOS 8's voice and like instant camera mm-hmm. send features where cuz I kind of I got what they were trying to do with that but I find that I don't really use it all that often where Oh, you will be using it. Oh, that yeah. Often, someday. <laughs> someday, but like we were talking about oh well can we compare this to Ping in terms of like does Apple, you know, does Apple really have its pulse on the on the beat of the generation or are they kind of going mm-hmm. off into into space here? And for me, it really feels like, again, it's about increasing normal communication and increasing um, sort of thinking about you time, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, my parents is a great example. It's like, I don't always have the time to spend 20 minutes on the phone with my mother or to send long, lengthy text messages about what's happening. But if I can send her a little picture yeah. and I can do that in two seconds mm-hmm. and the fact that like it's a watch, like if I'm driving and all I have to do is tap one thing right. and it instantly, you know, sends her a message or da 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 and it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't take Sends away. her heartbeats. I'm still alive. Yes, I'm still on the road, send heartbeat. <laughs> yes, mom. <laughs> well, and like a lot of Apple stuff, this is something that demoed well. It did. And it may be that a lot of people use it, and maybe not a lot of people use it, but it's not like it's one of four features that's on this device. Yeah, if there's you don't like it, so talk. much stuff. Huh. Yeah, there's so much stuff happening on this phone. And we haven't even I'm talked sorry, to, on the watch. Like, yeah, we haven't even talked about the health features. And the health features right. are, you know, they, you've got your pedometer. Uh, but the really cool thing that I got into conversation with one of the one of the demo instructors there was, you know, the fact that Apple's not just measuring steps and flights climbed; mm-hmm. it's actually measuring active active workouts and it learns yeah uh, so for someone like me who you know I don't I hate running and I'm not a huge walker but I spend 10 hours to 15 hours on roller skates every week um, my phone will in theory be able to learn how much distance I skate mm-hmm. and then also what how much based on 
testing my heart rate, we'll be able to figure out you know, how intense my exercise is mm-hmm. and learns from that and says, oh, well, you're doing all of this, so this automatically fills your movement calendar. Right. And, you know, you may not be taking 12,000 steps, but I can more accurately give you information about your life and your healthiness and, you know, what you might need to do to continue being healthy. Ah, uh, but the question is, mm-hmm. for a device that costs 349 to start... Yes. Are you going to strap that baby on when you play roller derby? <laughs> this is a good question. I was thinking about that because you know, for a for a job for a Fitbit, I wore my Fitbit um, for six months and then killed it with a I think with water damage. I'm not entirely sure, uh, but yeah. It is sapphire glass, but I'm thinking that might <sighs> <This> actually. <is laughs> <roller derby. laughs> I think actually wearing that might hurt people more than it hurt the device. <laughs> it could, yeah. It's just like, oh, not that we're supposed to use forearms, but no, you know. but still, it could yeah. happen. And no, and it's I'm I'm trying to figure out like, oh, would I actually wear it on doing derby? But but I like the idea of a device that learns your habits and yeah, learns yeah. what you do. Whether or not that actually gets worn when I'm wearing wrist guards is another matter, but it's still, it's cool. Yeah. You know, it's it's something that a couple of other fitness devices have tried to do. And the fact that it's, again, it's integrated with Apple's whole suite and it's mm-hmm. integrated, Apple said on stage, where all of this data gets dumped into the health app where it's available to all third-party apps to sync to. Right. So in theory, you could have a Fitbit and an Apple Watch mm-hmm. and a phone and all of those steps would could theor- theoretically be in sync with each other. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think we're going to say this is a pretty exciting piece of technology. It is. And even, if it, even in its very rough state, it demos well. Yeah. Which is impressive. You know, I mean, I've, I've played with a lot of software betas in the last four years. Um, and we didn't even really get a chance to, like, test around the touch feedback uh, yet, but the limited time that we've had with the watch so far leaves me very excited for what it might be able to do in the future. Okay. And uh, they haven't talked about battery life. They haven't yeah. talked about price, That's, except the entry. Yeah. It starts at 349 And I'm sure, believe me, that 24-karat gold watch is not going to start <laughs> at 349 No, but look what people pay for watches. Yeah. Well, I, exactly. A huge amounts of money. I would happily pay $350 for, for that watch. I would probably pay more than that for that watch, to be perfectly honest. And I feel, you know, I'm like, oh, so much money for technology. But given what it does, I mean, and thinking about what people have already paid for, like the Pebble, which does one-tenth of that, mm-hmm. um, I would have, like, yeah, yeah. Now, did they talk at all about the price of the bands? Uh, no, I think the bands are in uh, the def- – like, there there will be a band, I right. assume, sold with, and then other right. bands plastic be band, pulled. and then yeah. if you want the – Exactly, exactly. Uh, And God knows. But again, like like wider watch manufacturers and each of the bands, you know, looking at the bands that I was able to sort of get hands on, they're all very expertly crafted. Mm -hmm. I mean, Apple was not kidding around when they went searching for designers. They made made watch bands and faces and designs that any Swiss, Swiss watch or Italian watch manufacturer would be proud to say, yes, I worked on that. Yeah, well, and it's... It shows, again, that Apple understands fashion. Yeah. And I think when you've seen some of the other stuff that's come out for wearables, clearly other companies don't. Or they discount it or they say, well, if we're going to make this thing functional, we have to make it this big and Mm -hmm. this ugly. 
It's like when uh, when they had the Google I.O. <laughs> and they had all these people tromping out there with these enormous watches strapped to their arms, and particularly the women. It just, I, you know, first reaction for me was like, wow, that is really ugly. I would never own one of these things. I don't care what it does. This still, I, I like the watches that I own, um, but I could see, yeah, in certain circumstances, I might use one of these as well. Absolutely. So um, smart. You know, again, this, I think, is going to catch on not only with people who care about the technology, and there are plenty of people who are going to be excited for that reason, but normal people, too, who would be willing to spend a reasonable amount of money on a high-end watch and uh, and then find out that it does some really cool stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I think my only my only slight sadness is that it is a square and not, you know, curved or rounded. I was kind of hoping for something round, too. I really, like, that's the one thing of the Moto 360 that I thought mm-hmm. was really cool is that despite the fact that it won't fit on my wrist, I really do like the shape of it. Um, but with a circular uh, atmosphere, or with a circular design comes a lot of space and design limitations. So I... I understand why they started square. It makes perfect sure. sense to me. Yeah, but um, look at three revs down the line. Exactly. So, as you know, anytime Apple releases a new product, you look at the old one and go, "Oh, this is really clunky and old." When you know, <laughs> two days before it was awesome. And yeah, now it's just like, no, it's looking at the original iPhone. Yeah, and it's funny because again, there are the new iPhones are taking design cues from that original mm-hmm. iPhone, but still, the original iPhone looks old and clunky and yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this. I'm not going to say for sure it's going to be a slam dunk hit, da 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 da, because there's still plenty of time for uh, you know the software to be not fully baked, da 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 da. But but from what I've seen so far, I am incredibly excited, especially to hear that third party developers will have WatchKit yeah. accessible to them. Yeah, and that makes me really really intrigued and. <laughs> full of anticipation for 2015 to just get here already. Yeah, I well, want this on my I want this on my wrist, and I haven't worn a watch in like 10 years. I'm gonna say it's a slam dunk. Yeah, I just think they're gonna just kill with this thing, just like the same way with the iPhone and the iPad. They will sell. They will sell millions. They will sell millions and millions of these things, and uh, people will come to depend on them, and it's gonna change a lot of things. Yeah. I think particularly with with the NFC stuff being part of that. Waving your wrist. Wave your wrist around. Do get, things. Get into your house with your wrist. Think we about haven't HomeKit. even talked about what this is going to do oh for my HomeKit. Gosh. Well, exactly, because HomeKit, and you're talking about, you know, the the Hey Siri feature in mm-hmm. uh, in iOS 8, where if you have your phone plugged in, well, the watch has Hey Siri built in too, yep. um, but it only triggers. It's not actively listening and draining your battery. It only triggers when you move your arm up. Mm-hmm. So you move your arm up, and you could say, Hey Siri, turn on my lights, yep. and then it's just. You're just talking into your wrist. You may look a little bit like a spy, you know, but but you're still you can control. You might be able to control your lights by talking to your watch, yeah. or waving it up against your door and not having to fiddle with keys, or you know, opening a hotel room or scanning a boarding pass because you'll be able to access passbook. Right. The, the amount of possibilities that are there—that's what really, really excites me. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about. It's about this device being a trigger. Yeah, because. People often carry their phones with them, but they don't always have their phones with them. And, and putting uh, it out and... Yeah, you've got it somewhere or it's across the room. But you, when you put your watch on at the beginning of the day, it's generally on the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And then you take it off at the end of the day. So 
to have this device that is always on with you and that can interact with all of your life has so much potential and it's, it's so exciting. So, um, so put me down a slam dunk and uh, and we'll see. Yep. We'll see. Battery life's the only question. Yep. <laughs> it was telling when Tim Cook was like, ah, it'll be easy for you to charge at the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't think we're going to see something that's going to last for three days on a single charge. No, well, it's, if, it, if I use my Apple Watch any, any way like I use my uh, my phone, I'm going to need a Mophie case for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mophie watch band. Also, yeah, you have to think they're working on oh that gosh. one. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think we score this as uh, as an A plus event. It was, you know, I this is my second official event that I've been invited to by Apple, and the first non Dub Dub event. And what what an event it was! What to an go event to. it was! Yep. Yeah, except for the stream. Yep. Well, <laughs> I took plenty of pictures, folks. We'll have a <laughs> we'll have a slideshow up on Macworld. Yeah. No, and I'm sure that afterwards the, somebody yes. had us had a talk with whoever <laughs> was in charge of. Streaming. I feel bad for whoever's losing their job today. Yeah, I am too. Okay. Well, then uh, let's wrap it up. Then let's just say we're done, cooked. It was a great day, great event. Um, thanks for going and spending all the time with this stuff, so we could get your hands-on report. You bet. And that wraps up another Macworld podcast sponsored by Igloo, which is an intranet you'll actually like, and MailRoot, a secure hosted email filtering service for the work you do. If you have any comments or questions, drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.